Hello again, witches, seekers, and friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 33 of the Fat Feminist Witch Podcast, the show where I do a little ranting, raving, and wand-waving. I'm your host, Paige, the Fat Feminist Witch, broadcasting from not-so-sunny southwestern Ontario, and today we are talking about FATPHOBIA, in capitals with an exclamation point. Hello, friends, and before you ask, yes, I do say the musical after every instance of saying or writing the title of today's episode. I didn't put it right in the title because I'm not a good singer. So (laughs) I didn't want you guys to think I'd be singing. You're just going to have to listen to me vent in a regular speaking voice. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, Today's episode is going to be fairly personal, and I will be sharing personal stories and accounts of what I personally have experienced in my life as a fat person. I'm also going to be talking about facts and some studies, but I will be providing sources for that in the show notes. I'm also going to be talking about the new series Diet Land on AMC based on the book by Sarai Walker, which I loved, uh, fatness and fabi- and also fatness and fat phobia's effect on and connection with mental health. I had originally planned to also share some magical and metaphysical tools for fat people. So stuff like if you are trying to work on your health, spells for that, um, some divinations that I've come up with to help you deal with health issues or weight issues, and um, some kind of metaphysical protection tools for when you're dealing with abuse. But I've decided to release all of that separately in its own little mini episode. So if you are interested in magic to help you deal with any of those issues, or even, yes, to lose weight, uh, keep an eye out for that sometime soon, in, in, like in the next few days. Um, so with all of that being said, before I really get started, I want to say that there is a content or a trigger warning in effect for this whole episode. So if you've struggled with disordered eating, with weight loss, uh, suicidal thoughts, attempts, or ideation, stigma, abuse, or medical malpractice associated with your weight or weight loss, uh, this could be kind of a difficult or triggering episode. So if you think this episode might, you know, trigger something dangerous in you or thoughts of suicide or might damage your own self-image or your recovery. I promise I won't be mad if you don't listen. That's okay. I don't want anything bad to happen to you. So, you know, you don't have to keep listening if you want to. Uh, Likewise, I I want to say that I'm not a doctor (laughs) or a medical professional at all. Uh, I will be offering up information that obviously medical professionals have given me, but also opinions and just some general advice. Uh, It may not, it might not jive with you or what you've experienced, but I hope that's okay because every fat person's individual experiences, I mean, they're all so varied and complex and everything's totally valid. I usually get a lot of mail in response to some of my episodes, so I also want to say that if I get any messages or emails or social media posts or whatever that are fat phobic in nature or attack any of my listeners or me, I will just delete them. I will wipe it out of existence. I'm not going to engage. Uh, This is a troll-free zone and episode, so go get back onto your bridge because I don't need it. Okay? (laughs) Okay, so now that we're all settled and safe, maybe you're in your favorite comfy chair or riding a nice slightly bumpy bus, which I love, uh, home from work, get a bottle of water or a snack or something, let's do this. The inspiration for today's episode is... I mean, it's obviously my life. (laughs) More specifically, I've been on this journey towards better mental health, no matter how cheesy that sounds, since about February of 2017. And so my own health and wellness are really, really, really on my mind. Uh, Since I've now entered the, the medical and the therapeutic world on a more regular basis, you know, I have a lot of appointments. This has exposed me to a lot of 
different and very exhausting opinions and diagnoses about my body and my weight. I also learned something incredibly important about my body and my health. I've mentioned before that when I was younger, I was diagnosed with a genetic disorder that runs obviously in my family. Um, But I've recently undergone genetic testing and there is no trace of vascular Ehlers-Danlos syndrome in my genetics, as I previously believed. I mean, I still have some chronic pain and my joints pop out of place, which I've been assured is not normal. Uh, So something's up, but it's not vascular EDS. This is super exciting for me and you can totally clap and cheer. And I'm, I'm just, I'm really pumped. I didn't like do anything to make that happen, but I'm just, I'm really psyched to not have a vicious, painful disease. <laughs> um, and after I found out and it took about a week to let that shock wear off, because I've been living with that my whole life, um, I swear that the chronic pain that I do experience decreased by half. I am half as in pain as I was before. The brain is just so amazing. It's the placebo effect. Um, It's so great. I'm still getting used to the idea that I have a lot of years left in my life, (laughs) that I'm not actively dying any more than the average mortal, and that being healthy is actually something that is kind of possible for me in the future, as much as it's possible for anyone. Um, And for whatever reason, I mean, I know the reasons, but this realization, it just completely unrattled me. I'm completely unwound. Uh, There is such a freedom And it's sad, but there's such a freedom in believing that you're just going to die anyways and that your health will decline no matter what. It really gives you permission to focus on things that you feel are more important. And that could be anything. Your priorities are your own. But being fat and and any of those weird kind of psychic threats I get from fat phobic thin people, like you're definitely going to get diabetes. You're going to have a heart attack. Your knees are going to turn to dust. You're going to die. They were almost kind of funny because in my head, it's like, yeah, Like, I guess, but my aorta could spontaneously rupture uh, when I lift a basket of laundry that's too heavy and I could die. (laughs) So who cares if I'm fat? Who cares if I get diabetes? Just who cares? It just doesn't matter. I'm never going to be healthy anyways. And the answer to all those who cares questions is that everyone cares, but you, Paige, everyone cared but me. But it's not my health that they were genuinely cared that they were concerned about. It's not really my health. It's that being fat is hard and it's seen as a huge problem by everyone. This idea that being fat instantly equals being unhealthy is so pervasive in our culture. Even thin people who don't judge you about your weight, you know, your friends who are really supportive, they no doubt believe that they are healthier than you by default. They could bathe in toxic waste while smoking cigarettes, shooting heroin, and eating nothing but fried cheese, and they probably still think they are healthier than your fat ass by default. And that's just straight up, almost every time. And other people who know that thin person, they probably think the same thing, even if they know about thin person's unhealthy habits, they could know about the baths of toxic waste and still think because you are fat that you are less healthy. It's just an entirely visual response. And it's just not, health isn't visual like that. It's so weird, but it, that's the way it is sometimes. This is fat phobia or fat mesia. Uh, fat phobia is the term you're probably more familiar with, but kind of like homophobia, it indicates that that bigotry is based in a fear of that thing or that condition or whatever. 
And while I personally believe that a huge chunk of the reason people hate fat people is because they see us as closer to death, and this makes them confront their own mortality, that's all guided by fear. Even though I believe that, fat phobia is really just hatred and bigotry based on junk science and societal pressure and these aesthetic uh, standards that we have in our society. So... There is also definitely an element of hatred and fat phobia kind of downplays that. So I'm probably going to be using uh, fat phobia or fat mesia, which just means fat hate very specifically, um, kind of interchangeably throughout the, the episode. Or if you see those that word, fat mesia, uh, F-A-T-M-I-S-I-A, that's what it means. It means fat hate. And it puts more of an onus on the person perpetuating the behavior uh, and makes it clear that the fat people are not something you just get to be afraid of. I'm a human being. I'm not like a spider or something that lives under your bed. So, you know, there's just that. Uh, of course, fat phobia also has an element of misogyny since most weight loss products and advice, the whole weight loss industry is really, really, really specifically marketed towards women and other feminine presenting people. Uh, so that's what fat phobia is. It's a hatred of fat people that can present itself in any variety of ways. Uh, the most obvious is just that belief that fat people can never be healthy or that a fat person is instantly less healthy than a skinny person based solely on their size. That is very fat phobic and, and causes real damage to people. Uh, fat people, really. <laughs> but all people, this is, that is exactly where a lot of disordered eating or eating disorder uh, disorders actually come from is this idea that being fat is like instantly bad, always bad, all of the time, it's the enemy. It's really dangerous. Um, in my own life, I've encountered all different kinds of fat phobia <laughs> that range from incredibly hurtful and damaging to really just super obnoxious. And I've gotten it from everyone from strangers on the street to doctors and therapists. Not to mention friends, coworkers, family members for sure, random cashiers, uh, cops and firefighters, teachers, and prospective dates just to name some specifics that I've personally deal with. Cops and firefighters is really, really, really the worst one, though I want to point out. I just got to say it because I'm trusting you with my life, cops and firefighters. I have to believe that you are just as willing to run into a burning building to save me as you are to save, you know, Barbie or whoever. So hearing cops and firefighters say fat phobic things is like honestly just really really terrifying terrifying because i feel like you're not gonna save me you don't you don't care about my life as much as the average person and i really need you to um so it's become something that i work really hard to avoid or just dismiss entirely fat phobia it goes in one ear and out the other sometimes it's hurtful and it sticks around but for the most part i'm like yeah whatever you're clearly just a jerk end of that uh even kind of seemingly positive experiences can really be grounded in fat phobia, especially non-consensual fetishization. This is one that I've countered, encountered just a lot in my life. Uh, bullies, you know, when I was a kid, bullies were always like, you're never going to have sex. You're never going to get a boyfriend. You're so fat and ugly. Uh, but they were, of course, wrong. <laughs> that's that's not how my life went at all. Um, and I ended up being pretty popular with with guys once I became a teenager. And when I was younger, all of that 
positive seeming attention that I got from men, uh, very sexual attention made my anger and that bitterness that I felt over those statements feel really justified. Um, some of that sexual attention was obviously positive and real and genuine. I've dated and been intimate with some really, really amazing men who liked the way I looked and were genuinely attracted to me. They didn't generally have a fat fetish. They weren't solely attracted to fat people. They just liked me. <laughs> that seems so crazy to people, but they really just did. And I thought that was the case with everyone that I dated <laughs> or was intimate with. I really just was, I just so thought that if they were willing to be with me, if they liked me, it's because they didn't have a problem with fat people or because they thought I was pretty. Um, but I started to notice that a lot of these men uh, are known as, you know, chubby chasers, or they have a fetish for fat bodies and for flesh. Um, no kink shaming, of course, if you're part of any branches of the fat fetish community, that is totally cool and up to you. Uh, but that's just, it's just not my thing. I'm just not into it. Uh, fetish and fetishization to me really means, um, it really to me, when you fetishize a human being, I feel like you don't even see me as a person, as a human. I'm just a, I'm just a thing. I'm just a mass of body parts that you find attractive. And I'm sure that lots of men feel that way about women, even without a fetish. But when it's an obvious fat fetish, it just feels, I don't know, it just doesn't make me feel good. I just don't like it. And I regularly had men uh, you know, chubby chasers or fat admirers fetishize me without my consent. Uh, even once I started learning to make my feelings clear, I learned more about fat fetishization. I started to notice some behaviors that I really didn't like. I would be very upfront about this. Uh, I would explain to anyone that I was going on a date with, like my feelings about stuff like this. And I honestly had so many guys outright lie to me, to my face, looking in my eyeballs, that they don't have a fat fetish. Uh, they just, you know, they just think I'm pretty or whatever. Um, and they lied because I satisfy a sexual need for them. My body does anyways. And this is also fat phobia or fat mesia. This is also oppression. And this also does damage to a fat person. And trying to be on the lookout for that secret fat phobia and constantly wondering if sexual partners had ulterior motives really affects your ability to trust like any human being. And it really affects your ability to relax and just be happy in a relationship or just have sex and, and just, it's just straight up just so exhausting that it makes the entire process feel like too much work. Falling in love and having a regular sexual, sexual relationship honestly feels like just too much work sometimes as a fat person, because I know that I have to deal with all of that. It's just so much. It's too much to have in your brain all the time. Most of the fat people I know are hyper aware of language, of their surroundings, of the way that people talk to them and treat them. They all have test questions for prospective dates or sexual partners, and they all have this hard limit of the amount of fat phobia that they're willing to take or the type of fat phobia that they're willing to take. Because the truth is that as a fat person, at a certain point, you realize that you have to get okay with the fact that fat phobia is unavoidable, even from people you love or who love you. But it's not okay. It really, really builds up over time. And 
I've been through periods in my life when I could deal with it and times when I couldn't. Times when I could laugh off those jerks who said things about my body or times when, you know, I could laugh about being fetishized by some chubby chaser who I thought was kind of funny. And then there's times when I felt like the sorrow that I felt from these experiences was just building up inside me and would eventually eat me alive. It's, it's overwhelming. And I know for a fact that my experiences with fat phobia have a lot to do with my depression that I was uh, diagnosed with at the beginning of 2017, and even more so with my social anxiety disorder, which is a pretty new development in my otherwise semi-extroverted lifespan. Um, the worst part is that trying to do something about it and make myself happy has exposed me to more fat phobia. So I am a client at the Canadian Mental Health Association, and I don't want anyone to be like, oh, the CMHA is horrible and they're fat phobic, because that is absolutely not the case. But I have a caseworker who, um, she, her behavior is just not helping. Uh, so I have this caseworker, and she's really, really nice. She's funny. She's sweet. She's just, honestly, she's really nice. <laughs> I really like her most of the time, but she will not stop talking about my body. She won't. She is convinced that my body, my weight, my size is a disability. No matter how many times I've said, I am not physically disabled. I do not feel that my body is disabled. I don't think I have a physical disability. But I do think that my mental health is a serious problem and would qualify as a disability. I've corrected her. I've made my opinion very clear. But she insists that my, my weight, my body is disabled. In my most recent visit with her, we were going over some paperwork, which is about disability, disability benefits, uh, you know, medical registration, disability, just all that kind of thing. And it listed a bunch of impairments and your doctor should fill out which impairments you have. Now, in my forms that have stuff like that, my impairments are all to do with my mental health because that's what my doctor is helping me address. So it's about my depression and my anxiety and the associated effects of depression and anxiety, stuff like lack of concentration, uh, trouble doing things like taking public transportation, stuff like that. But the caseworker doesn't like that. And she always insists that I have these physical impairments that I don't have. Last time I was there, she said there's no way I could stand for eight hours or walk three blocks without getting tired, literally. And without sounding like I'm bragging, I've been working in retail forever. <laughs> I know how to stand up all day. And like, honestly, who can stand still for eight hours without getting tired on a concrete floor? Everyone's tired and sore at the end of the day, even skinny people. Like, it's just work is tiring. Plus, I had walked to that appointment with her. I looked on Google Maps. Her office is more than 12 blocks from my house. And that day I had even gotten there kind of early and it was so nice out that I walked around a nearby garden and I went to get a bottle of water before even going in to my appointment. I don't know how many blocks I ended up walking, but it was definitely more than three. And I wasn't really tired when I got there. I just, you know, needed some water and to sit down for a minute. Uh... <sighs> My caseworker knows that. She knows that I walk and ride my bike everywhere because I can't drive. She knows that I get myself to my appointments via walking or biking. I don't take the bus because it's just not, it's not a convenient bus route. It's easier to walk, honestly. And yet she can look me in the eyeballs and claim that there's no way I could walk three blocks without getting too tired. 
I was so in shock by that that I just kept quiet until the appointment was over. Uh, it's just, it's just so wild. Even if, even if you can only walk three blocks without getting tired, that's not really for someone else to guess based on your appearance. That's something you gotta say. Like, if I walk three blocks, I get really tired or out of breath or I'm in a lot of pain or whatever. But, and that's okay because <laughs> honestly, you're not a better person just because you're healthy. It's okay to have pain or to have health problems or to have, you know, a genetic disorder or whatever. You're not any less worthy of respect or of having a say about your own body. She even tried to get me to apply for disability benefits strictly because of my weight and my body. All because of things that she had no proof for and outright couldn't prove. I disproved by walking there, you know. But she assumed it based on seeing me sit in a chair across from her. Awful. <laughs> I fell into the good fatty, bad fatty trope and tried to prove how healthy I am. You know, this is this is a defense mechanism uh, for fat people. And it's one that I fall into all the time. You know, a good fatty is someone who recognizes that they're fat and that it's not healthy and I'm actively trying to lose weight or, you know, all of that stuff. You you hate fatness as a fat person. You are a good fatty. And if you're a bad fatty, you're happy with yourself and you wear crop tops and eat pizza or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> so I even fell into that trap and I tried to show her doctor's reports from like blood tests that say I'm physically pretty healthy. I talk about my walks to her office and about swimming and running at the beach or just like whatever. Talk about yoga. She just won't let it go. And this caseworker at the Canadian Mental Health Association has actually told me that no one gets approved for disability benefits based on mental health at the Mental Health Association and that my weight is a bigger issue and I need to just accept it. And this is the same lovely caseworker who's laughed with me and supported me and helped me in a whole bunch of other situations. But when it comes to my weight, she has this total blind spot. And I've now been forced to get a new caseworker. It could be a long wait, and there's no guarantee that the next one I get won't be exactly the same. I even considered dropping out of that program because of it. And that's a big problem because that, that pro program opens me up to, it, it just gets me a whole bunch of resources so I can find help with my mental health. So that's a huge, huge problem. But a silver lining in that story is that where I mentioned that all my paperwork says I'm healthy. And that's because of my family doctor. My family doctor is the most wonderful, supportive doctor that I have ever met in my entire life. I'm convinced she's just a wonderful human being. She knows that I walk and ride my bike everywhere. You know, when I get there, she asks if I need to refill my water bottle because hydration is important. And how was the bike ride? How's the weather? Uh, when she prescribed antidepressants, which I was really nervous about, we talked a bit about, you know, weight gain as a side effect of medication. Weight gain is a popular side effect for a lot of antidepressant medications. But she told me, you know, just to keep an eye on that, if my weight changes, you know, to just mark it down. Because she said that even in medications where weight gain is like a proven side effect, she finds that many patients who are already fat experience the opposite sensation. She didn't even say it like, oh, hey, bonus, you're going to lose some weight. It was just an honest observation and one that I'm going to mention again later. She asked if I wanted to lose weight and when I said no, she said okay. When I was stressing about my tests and results and progress and even my weight a little bit, she calmed me down and said, Paige, stop worrying so much about this. You're healthy. 
No doctor had ever said those words to me in my life. I don't even know if any other person has ever said that to me before. You're healthy. As a, just the statement of fact, you are healthy. And she's a doctor. She's my doctor. She knows what she's talking about. I tear up a little bit when I think about it because it's just so, so amazing. She's so good. Um, there are amazing doctors out there and, and she's really proof. I found a website called fatfriendlydocs.com. Again, I'm going to put the link in the show notes. So if you know of a cool doctor, you can submit it to them. Or if you need a doctor that is fat friendly, you can find one there. Uh, I submitted my doctor if you're in the, the Windsor area, but they cover countries all over the world. Anyways, now that I know that my pain is not caused by EDS, I've had to very seriously consider whether or not I feel like my weight is causing health problems for me. Because every doctor I've ever seen before in my life can diagnose every single thing that's ever been wrong with me on my weight. When I had chronic bronchitis, it, I was just out of breath from being, you know, fat. So it's, <laughs> I've been hearing all the time, you know, what would fix this, losing weight my whole life. And it's one of those things that goes in one ear and out the other because it's just not, it's not statistically possible that, you know, for example, an earache or pink eye is caused by my being fat and losing weight is not going to help that. So <laughs> I've learned to kind of tune that out. But now that I know that my doctor is not awful, uh, now that I know I don't have EDS, now that I know that I'm going to live a pretty long time, I kind of want my life to be totally bitching. <laughs> and, I just want it to be really great. So I'm working on my mental health and, you know, getting stronger mentally, emotionally. Why not focus on my physical health too? It's just a random thought I had. It popped into my head and I'm like, oh no, that's a really logical thought. <laughs> what am I doing thinking logical things? <laughs> and it just got some wheels turning in my brain. When I brought up the possibility of maybe wanting to lose weight, my doctor looked skeptical and asked what changed my mind. You know, I gave her all those right answers, better health, better life, no more pain. And she just kept giving me this look and didn't say anything. I finally broke down and I said, I am just so tired of answering stupid questions and defending my body and my life all the time. And I was laugh crying at this point, you know, crying and laughing at the same time. And she actually laughed really, really loud. She laughed so loud. And then she put her sympathetic doctor face back on. Because I, I like to make jokes when I'm really upset. So, <laughs> you know, uh, she told me she understands. And even though she's like thin and beautiful, <laughs> like conventionally beautiful, I don't know this for sure. But she is a woman of color. So I'm guessing she gets her own share of stupid comments about herself all the time. I'm sure even though I don't know for sure. I'm sure about it. And that if that was really what I wanted, if I really wanted to lose weight or to get thin, she would help. Then she wrote out all of the medical weight loss options available through her and in our area, like everything, just a whole list. She said, I just want you to know what your options are. I know that you're going to do your own research. So check all of this out. Check all of it out. Uh, when I said I was definitely not interested in weight loss surgery at all ever, she kind of looked a little relieved. She's like, okay, well, that's that's cool. That's a, like a really serious uh, decision with a lot of really big complications. So, you know, we can just scratch that off. She told me to do my research and tell me what I think about it whenever I feel like it. No rush. I don't have to make a decision by the next appointment or at any time ever if I don't want. This is the first time in my life 
that I even had the space to think about weight loss or my body without any sort of fat phobic pressure. You know, she didn't tell me that I was going to get diabetes or lose the use of my knees or spend the rest of my life with regret. She just said, yeah, I get it. It's hard. Think about it. Get informed. Decide for yourself. See how you feel. Now, I made a decision. I don't think I want to lose weight. But the shock of having the space to think about my weight without that pressure or fear or judgment is just like, it's something I'm not used to. I'm still kind of shocked by it. It's been like two weeks and I can't stop thinking about it and how big of a deal it was for my doctor to just treat me like a person. Especially considering I once had a doctor. I went in with back pain. It was brand new back pain. Like it had only been a couple of months. It was when I was living in Vancouver. And her diagnosis for me to get rid of my back pain straight up was stop eating pasta. Those were her actual words. <laughs> I like it's so funny now. I'm Italian. So like I'm also like, yo, bitch, is that like, <laughs> is that a thing? Can you tell I'm Italian? What is that? But it was just. It was so laughably egregious. So I've never had a doctor treat me like a person, especially not related to weight. It's, it's meant a great deal to me. And it really helped counteract the negative and the fat phobic attitude that I encountered in the other legs of my, you know, my mental health team. That desperation to just make the bullshit stop was lessened enough for me to think calmly and rationally. Of all the reasons that the fat people I know give me for wanting to lose weight, wanting to end the abuse and hatred that they face every day in our fat phobic world is the number one reason almost every time. And if you do what my doctor did and you let people get that dumb shit out of the way, like, well, I just want to be healthy, even though that's true. A lot of times this will come up and other answers even kind of still lead to this point. You know, I want to be thin so that I can attract a partner that I feel is of better quality. Is really just so many people find me revolting or non-sexual or not attractive that I feel like I'm missing out on love and sex and affection. And I think being thin will make that more accessible to me. How sad is that? And I mean, and by sad, I, I really mean genuinely heartbreakingly sad. Everyone is worthy of love and respect and affection and, and intimacy, no matter their body size or shape or condition or abilities. Everyone. And it's, it's so depressing that there are people just walking around thinking they don't deserve to be loved by a good person or a nice person or someone that they're genuinely attracted to just because they are somehow inferior because of their body. It's awful. Someone that I once considered a really, really close friend, like we met in high school, we were so close that I really genuinely felt like she was my sister. I had a, like a family photo of her family on my wall for the longest time. And one night I was really down and I'd been hitting on this really good looking guy, but I, I just hadn't been feeling very confident and you know, I blew it, whatever. He wasn't interested. I don't know if I blew it, but he wasn't interested. And as a source of comfort, this was a girl who really liked tough love, which I hate. Uh, she said, good looking guys with nice jobs just don't have to settle for big girls. And if you want to meet a nice guy, you know what you have to do. Wow. 
so bad. She also told me in that conversation that for years behind my back, because this is not something I like, she'd been trying to set me up with every male friend that she had and that they had all thought I was really great, but that my weight was, and I quote, a problem. I couldn't tell you who any of these dudes she tried to set me up were. And if they were so great and awesome and good looking, I think I'd remember at least one of these guys, you know, even if I didn't know she was trying to hook me up. She didn't have any friends, male friends that I'd met that stood out in my mind as someone that I was attracted to or that I was interested in. Me being interested in them didn't even cross her mind. The whole problem was that I was fat and they didn't like that. That was the problem there. <laughs> ah, that was years ago and it still really hurts deep down in my soul in that sad little place. But that, that totally ended our friendship. I mean, not only is that completely not true, it's just so not true that all good looking guys with nice jobs and, and, and that look good hate fat girls. Like that's just so not true. It was bullshit that she thought it. And it was worse that she'd actually say it to me. <laughs> I just, I will admit that that is probably the worst thing that anyone has said to me about my weight ever, ever. And I went through a really shitty depressive episode right after she said that. That was really, really, really upsetting. Really upsetting. We're no, no longer friends. So... <sighs> This brings us to the effect that fatness and fat phobia can have on the mental health of fat people. And this is my new favorite topic, straight up. I could talk about this for a whole other episode. Uh, but since being diagnosed with my mental illness and going on medication, I've been doing a lot of research about medications and how I specifically can get well. You know, I've researched my specific kind of depression and the medications that I'm on and types of therapy and all of that. I'm a fierce researcher. It's like my main hobby. And this is my coping mechanism for stress. Knowledge is power, y'all. And when I'm freaking out about something, finding out everything I can about it just puts me right at ease. Most of the time. Most of the time. Uh, when I was a kid, I, I mean, I could tell you everything about every illegal street drug that's ever existed in my lifetime because as a kid, I found drugs really scary. And I went online and I researched absolutely everything. I know more for more facts about heroin than, you know, people who've actually done heroin. It's, it's unreal. It's useless trivia for the most part, but I really love research. I love researching the things that scare me. I don't know why. <laughs> um, so my first indication that weight and fatness are undeniably related to mental health and to depression was when my doctor said that little bit about weight gain and weight loss as a side effect of medication. That really got the wheels turning for me because I started to, to kind of rationalize that. So if a lot of people gained weight on certain medications, but a lot of fat patients did not gain weight or even ended up losing weight, is weight gain an actual side effect of that medication? Or is the change in weight actually a sign that your brain chemistry is getting better, it's working better, it's correcting itself because of the medication. And therefore, your body is maybe correcting physical things that just aren't functioning the way they should. Like, doesn't that make sense? Putting on weight is one of our body's defense mechanisms for survival. We put on weight in the winter in part because 
Our body registers the temperature change, and it adjusts itself to be more efficient. Fat keeps you warm. This is also a time historically when winter, you know, winter is lack of food season. It's when you have to survive off of the stores that you already have. So our body you know, helps out with that. Fat cells can be consumed by your body and they can be used as fuel. So having excess fat cells during a time when you don't have a lot of food is it keeps you alive. <laughs> it really keeps you alive. So isn't it, doesn't it make sense? This is just a theory. But maybe your body went into something's wrong survival mode because of your depression or mental illness. And maybe that caused you to put on weight. And now that your brain is registering that you're safe and that things are getting better, it's okay to let go of that weight. And maybe you're just losing it. And if that's what's happening, couldn't it kind of happen in reverse? You know, maybe your mental illness made you lose weight for whatever reason. I mean, depression can destroy your appetite. Eating disorders are a mental illness. And obviously an eating disorder can lead to extreme weight loss. So maybe when you start that medication, putting on weight is your body recognizing that your previous weight was either part of this defense mechanism or was just not healthy for you. And you no longer need to live like that. And so you're putting on a little bit weight, a little bit of weight in the places, whatever, that your body decides you need it, I guess. Doesn't that make sense? This is just a theory of mine. Like I said, I'm not a doctor, but I just can't stop thinking about it. It's this roundabout thinking. It is this chicken and the egg situation with both weight loss and mental health and also mental health drugs and weight changes. It's what came first. Did you gain weight because you were depressed and then lose it because you went on medication? Or did you lose weight when you got depressed and then gain weight when you started getting better? It's just a theory, but I keep seeing evidence that seems to agree with that point, like everywhere that I do research. Everywhere. Um, Here's a really fun example, really interesting thing I recently learned that I'm kind of obsessed with. So in that appointment that I described with my doctor, where she talked about weight loss options, she also told me about two weight loss drugs that are on the market, Saxenda and Contrave. I started researching them, checking them out, especially once I decided to do this, this episode. Uh, Saxenda is given by ejection. (laughs) Injections make me feel woozy and I don't like to think about veins or needles going in them. So I bailed out, just bailed out completely. Couldn't tell you anything about Saxenda beyond that. (laughs) It's awful. (laughs) Uh, But Contrave turned out to be very, very interesting. I've seen commercials for Contrave before. They feature a lot of purple, which I appreciate as a purple fan. Uh, They also explain how Contrave works and it affects your relationships with food. So if you ever feel addicted to food or you have uncontrollable cravings or you just have trouble with portion control or whatever, Contrave is just supposed to affect that reward center of your brain in their terms. So you don't have such a pleasurable response for food, for lack of a better term. It also increases your energy, your focus, and it can help your sex drive. Awesome, right? Awesome. Now, if you've ever struggled with drug addiction before, this type of medication may sound so super familiar. Naltrexone has long been used to help curb addictions and dependency on alcohol and opioids. Contrave is a combination of naltrexone and an antidepressant called Welbutrin. 
Wellbutrin happens to be the antidepressant that I am taking that is very much helping with my depression. <laughs> this weight loss drug is a combination of anti-addiction medication and my antidepressant. Wellbutrin totally helps you control your depression, obviously. It does give you a lot of energy, sometimes too much. In the beginning, it felt like I had consumed six cups of coffee every day. Uh, led to some insomnia, for sure. And it either increases your sex drive or at least allows it to function, which is a big problem with a lot of antidepressants is that they, they halt your sex drive. Well, Butrin is not like that. So it's pretty popular. Uh, and of course, it you know, it, it works with your serotonin production. It, it helps the chemicals in your brain that make you happy or control your emotions regulate themselves better. And I can personally attest that Wellbutrin does all these things. Um, you know, it, I do feel like I have more energy. It's easier for me to get up in the morning, even though I got to take melatonin every single night or I won't sleep. Um, and even with side effects like the insomnia or my new bad short-term memory, seriously, it's just the worst. Uh, plus a risk of seizures. Don't love that. Uh, it's still worth it. And I'm obsessed with this. This is so, this is so wild. This weight loss drug is just, it's, it's just about treating an obsession with food and helping you deal with the pain and trauma you experience as a person who is fat. You could absolutely argue, just based on contrave here, that treating the emotional effects of fat phobia are not only helpful, but actually like essential to your overall health, feeling like you're at the right weight, or if you are someone who has decided you want to lose weight, treating your emotional issues and the emotional effects of fat phobia are essential. How interesting is that? Just so wild. Um, another source of research I, I found is Constant Craving by Doreen Virtue. And yes, Doreen Virtue is the angel lady. She, she makes angel oracle cards and tarot cards. Doreen Virtue uh, has also worked as an eating disorders therapist at inpatient and outpatient facilities all over California and I think Tennessee. She actually is, uh, she's a psychologist and she has a doctorate and her dissertation was on the link between childhood abuse and the development of eating disorders. Neat, right? You might not have known that about Doreen Virtue. She's very, she's just, she's very angely. Um, but in Constant Craving, she actually devotes an entire chapter to how the chemicals in food affect our moods and our brain chemicals like serotonin and epinephrine and, and our happy chemicals, you know? The whole book is about the emotional relationship you have with food or weight or whatever. And in it, she lists a lot of different foods that can help regulate serotonin and increase the effectiveness of your antidepressants. And if you take that list of foods that she recommends for that, which is almost the same as the list my pharmacist gave me for foods to help me with my antidepressants and serotonin, next to, if you put that list next to a list of foods that are almost essential to healthy weight loss by any nutritionist or dietitian or doctor ever, the list is almost identical. Likewise, if you put that list next to a list of foods that most crappy fad diets that don't work tell you to avoid, they're almost identical. All of these foods that can help increase your serotonin production and help you work on some of your emotional issues with fat phobia and weight, they're left out 
of these fad diets. They're, they're just, they're left out. Except for avocados, which everyone can apparently are like this generation's ambrosia. Like, <laughs> like avocados just, pretty soon someone is going to be telling you that avocados cure cancer. I'm so sure of it because apparently they're just amazing. Superfood. Um, so yeah, how interesting is that? This is something I'm, I'm still doing some research on because that's what I like. And also because I find it really interesting. And it's like fat people could have told you this. Fat people could have told you that fat phobia makes you fucking sad. And that being sad makes your weight fluctuate. We could have told you that. <laughs> uh, it also, to me, makes it so shockingly obvious that heaping negativity and fear onto fat pe people in some misguided attempt to scare them into whatever someone considers to be better health has really, really negative consequences. It affects their weight, it affects their physical and their mental health and their ability to just like chill, to just enjoy life. Like I said before, it's just exhausting. It's exhausting. It is so much work <laughs> to just deal with that hate being piled on you all the time. And there's a particular form of negativity. I mean, it's all, it's all awful. All fat phobia is awful. But there's one that's really, it's really on my mind. And it's really affecting a lot of fat people lately. And it's actually coming right out of the fat positive and body positive communities. Because there's this idea that wanting to lose weight or change your body or even to be thinner means you are absolutely not body, body positive. And that these feelings of wanting to change or lose weight always come from an innate hatred of your body. And in the words of Leslie Kinzel in her amazing article for Medium, nobody owes you fat positivity. <laughs> Likewise, you don't owe fat positivity to absolutely anybody. You don't. And it's really, really hard to be a fat positive or body positive person and have to consider something like weight loss or like changing your body. My own dedication to fat acceptance and fat positivity in my whole lifespan and that shame that I feel over any feelings, any negative feelings about my body or about my weight made this episode incredibly difficult to record or even bring up. It's, it's a difficult topic for me to bring up because it's seen for, to me and within the body positive community sometimes as, as a weakness. You know, if you feel negative feelings about yourself or about your weight, it's a weakness. You need to just get happy with yourself. You need to just do it. And I'd be lying if I said I'd never consider how much better my life might be if I was skinny. <laughs> Uh, years ago, I even decided to lose weight on purpose, and I lost 40 pounds. And in that time, I was plagued by nightmares about loose skin. I was embarrassed about my weight loss and just didn't want to acknowledge that I had maybe had a problem with my body. And I was so, so angry about the con congratulations that I was getting about weight loss. The process of losing weight was actually, honestly, super unpleasant. I didn't like it. And you know why? It's because I don't hate myself. <laughs> I don't hate my body. And I wasn't trying to kill Fat Page and, you know, become a whole new person. 
I don't hate the way I look and I'm not ashamed of my body or of my size all of the time. I don't wake up ashamed of myself. I don't go to bed hating myself every night. Everyone feels down sometimes and I'm only human. Sometimes, you know, whatever. I hate myself or, you know, I hate my thighs in this dress or just crap like that. Everyone thinks it. But in general, I think I'm pretty rad. But the times when I don't think I'm pretty rad, when I'm frustrated about things like the size of airplane seats or the rude comments I get from strangers driving by in cars or just the general lack of accessibility for fat people. And I start thinking, would losing weight change this? The comments and the the advice that I get from this loving and supportive fat positivity community to which I attribute most of my own self-love and, and emotional progress, these comments turn angry and they turn very hurtful. And I'm guilty of this too. Um, so has a proud fat friend that you've had ever told you that they've decided to go on a diet or try to lose weight or even considering or even just getting going right for weight loss surgery? I have. And in a lot of those times in the past, I had this knee-jerk reaction of resentment and a feeling of betrayal. I felt left behind or like those feelings that that person has about their own body are somehow also feelings about my body. I took it personally. If you don't want to be fat anymore, that must mean you don't like any fat people and you don't like me. But the truth is that it's just, that's just not about me or you or anyone else but them. It's their choice. Everyone, everyone in this world has the right to do straight up. And I mean this, whatever the fuck they want with their body. You have the right to do whatever the fuck you want with your own body. Remember that. And I, I, I'm, I am a proud pro-choice person. And if I am pro-choice when it comes to things like abortions, and if I'm against judging anyone for doing drugs or alcohol or for the way they eat or for getting tattoos or piercings or dyeing their hair because their body, their choice, which is like very important, wouldn't your body, your choice also apply to you deciding what weight you'd like to be? Small hint, the answer is yes. <laughs> And it's just, it's just yes, period. I'm just in general, just, just pro-choice. You decide how your life should look, how you express yourself, how you live. It has nothing to do with me and it's entirely up to you. I don't always have to like it, but it's just, it's just not my business. And if I don't like it, that doesn't mean you need to know that I don't like it. Most of the time, like I said, the real reason your rad, beautiful, amazing fat friend wants to lose weight is because the world is cruel and life is harder if you're fat. (laughs) You're less likely to be paid equally or to advance in your career the same way as your thin, thin counterparts. You're even less likely to get hired in the first place. Finding clothes, I'll tell you, can be impossible. And getting an honest opinion about your actual health from real doctors is damn near unheard of. Doctors will prescribe weight loss to fat women for any number of issues that have nothing to do with weight all the time. And we often miss out on getting real advice because all the advice we're getting is to lose weight. Fat women, sadly, are also more likely to be sexually assaulted or to be in a violent domestic relationship. And some of that is is a result of that non-consensual fetishization that I was talking about. 
Now, I'm not saying that getting an abortion and getting weight loss surgery are the same thing. Not at all. But if you as a person down in your soul believe that forcing someone with a uterus to live with the difficult life of maybe being a single teen mom or whatever, even if she doesn't want kids, just because of some overarching morality that we have in this world, if you think that that is wrong, then is denying someone the right to avoid a life full of hatred and abuse by literally cutting off parts of themselves? Like, it's not an easy decision. Is that really any different? Because I don't think it is. You know, I just... It's easy to compare the two because abortion is kind of a desperate situation. Not always, but in general, yeah. You're at a point where you have to make a very serious decision about the rest of your life and how the rest of your life is going to be, what you're going to spend your life doing and how your body even is going to function or look for the rest of your life. And in a lot of ways, extreme weight loss or weight loss surgery is, it has all those same kind of consequences. Uh, Weight loss surgery can have drastic physical consequences forever. And that's something you just have to get okay with if you want to have that surgery or if you you know, in general, if you want to lose weight. So I just want you to think about that. If you are someone who thinks your body, your choice, but then you get upset (laughs) or feel left behind when your fat friend or your fat heroes decide to get weight loss surgery or decide to lose weight, isn't that more about you and about your pain? I'm not saying that if you get upset about your friend getting weight loss surgery, it's because you're jealous and you definitely want to lose weight too. (laughs) I'm not, because it's not always like that, although sometimes I'm sure it is. (laughs) Um, But it's it's just something to think about. You just, it's that rationalization. Uh, Those feelings, you rationalize those out of fear and out of sadness, and it's that knee-jerk reaction based on the fat phobia that you've experienced in your life. And it's tragic. I mean, you want your friends to be happy. You that's I want all my friends to live whatever they decide is their best life and to do the things that make them happy. And if getting weight loss surgery and being thin and completely changing how they look really will make someone happy and it really is what they want, who am I to get angry or to stand in the way or even to take that decision personally? It's just not it's just not okay. It's just not okay. So can you be a body positive or fat positive person and still want to lose weight? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And there's a lot of different reasons why you might decide that losing weight or getting thin or getting the surgery or whatever, changing your body is worth it. You know, maybe having excess weight is causing joint problems. That's a thing that can happen. In that case, though, I mean, there's always... There's always something other than losing weight. Maybe it's not losing weight that you want to do there, but maybe it's increasing muscle mass in your legs so that your knees are more supported. Yeah, great. Uh, (laughs) Maybe, you know, you... Maybe you're a fashionista and you can't find clothes in your size and you just, you, you really, really, really want clothes to be more accessible to you. You gotta wear clothes forever and... The plus size clothing industry is moving so slow with progression. (laughs) They're just, you know, one step forward and three steps back all the time. 
and you can't wait around forever. And I get, I get it. It's not an easy choice. It's not the easy way out. It's just a choice. And it's one that they have to make for themselves. And it's one that we should all have the space to consider and to talk about with our friends and our loved ones and, and, you know, the community that matters to us and supports us. Just saying. So AMC, uh, the television channel, recently aired the first four episodes of Dietland based on the book by Sarai Walker, which I'm almost positive I've mentioned multiple times on the show because it features one of my favorite fiction characters of all time, Plum Kettle. Plum. Her real name is Alicia, of course, but everyone calls her Plum. And right away, I hope you're noticing this too, I noticed how simultaneously infantilizing and sexualizing that nickname of Plum is, which I so relate to because a lot of, a lot of my experiences, right? So Plum is a fat woman who's never had sex or a romantic relationship and has tried every single fad diet on the market, even one that nearly killed her. Uh, She takes a powerful antidepressant and has since college. She goes to Waste Watchers meetings uh, and she's in the process of getting ready for weight loss surgery. You know, her doctor is getting her ready for that. Um, She works for a vapid skinny woman for a women's magazine from home, of course, not in the office. Uh, And she answers letters to the editor as the editor. No one knows they're writing to Plum. At the same time that we meet Plum and learn about her, there is this terrorist organization working in the background of the story, taking revenge on male rapists and abusers in extreme ways. Like they're literally murdering rapists and tossing their bodies over an overpass. (laughs) Um, It's really like, I don't mean to laugh because murder is not funny, but it's, it's just wild. Uh, In right away, like even in episode four, you start to see that the average woman on the street, she's starting to foam at the mouth with the power, the empowerment and the energy that they're getting from these stories about this terrorist organization, Jennifer. And you see women start to stand up to men a little bit more in the show. It's really, really interesting. Um, Plum's closest friends and her loved ones, they're all trying to make her see that she's beautiful, that she's loved. She's got a really nice supportive mom. She's got a really cute gay best friend who's always telling her she's great. He owns a bakery. Um, But the world around Plum has convinced her otherwise that she's not beautiful that she's ugly that she's fat even though she's so gorgeous oh my god the actress i believe it's joy nash just she's just so beautiful (laughs) i love her so much so i highly recommend both the show and the book whether you are fat or not as plum is such she's just such a great and relatable real life character she's just she's just such a real person and she said something in the third episode that choked me right up because it was just so relatable and it really resonates with some of the stuff I'm talking about. So this is a conversation. Um, It's more of an intervention, actually. Plum's friend Stephen and her mother have come to her house to get her to see some sense, see that she's beautiful and, you know, she doesn't want to lose weight. Here we go. Plum. (laughs) So Plum says she gets really frustrated. She says, I'm not a moron. I'm not a child. You can't talk to me like this. I have to make my own decisions. She's like, and I don't want to be glamazon. I just want to get on an airplane and not have to apologize to the person I sit next to. I want to go to a bar and get hit on by some bald guy. And I want us to argue about whether said bald guy is actually into me or whether he just wants to get laid. Steven says, I know. 
And Plum corrects him. You don't, Stephen. You can't. Going off of my antidepressant made me get my feelings back. And now I know why I wanted them gone. What I realized was I don't hate myself. The world hates me for being like this. Every day I walk around in this skin, people look at me like I have the plague. They act like I'm a stain. They stare and laugh and yell. And worst of all, they all tell me I have such a pretty face. And then lecture me on how I can fix my body. Because how I am is wrong. Stephen tries to say that's not true. Plum says it is true. You just can't see it because you love me. But if this is it, if this is my life in this body, I'd rather be dead. That is the effect of fat phobia on individuals. This is exactly what fat phobia does to people. I mean, surprise, harping on someone all their life for their life choices and threatening them with like imminent death and illness kind of make people sad. Who knew? And her loved ones look really sad at this revelation. And meanwhile, I'm sitting there like, oh, girl, I feel that. I mean, I would not rather be dead than, than fat. But based on my experiences, just my experiences, I totally understand how somebody could get to that point. And that is just not okay. It's not okay for us as a society to literally drive just totally average, normal people who are going about their life minding their own business. It's not okay for our society to drive them to the brink of suicide. (laughs) It sounds laughable because it's so extreme, but that's literally what's happening. That's what happens to fat people all over the world. The amount of fat people who are depressed or socially anxious, I mean, look at statistics. It's nuts. It's unbelievable how many fat people need to take medication to fix these emotional issues or to numb their feelings like like plum, to not not have to notice it as much and to not have it destroy them as a person and build up over time. And although I wouldn't go so far as to say Plum in her current incarnation is a very fat positive person because she hates being fat and she hates fat people and she firmly believes that if you are fat, you can't be beautiful. Thinness is a requirement for beauty in this world. Uh, So I wouldn't say that she's a fat positive person or character. But it does show how how varied the reasons for wanting to lose weight can be. I think it's completely possible to be a fat positive person, to walk around thinking that fat people are oppressed and that that's wrong, that it's okay to be fat, that your body is fine just the way it is, that you are worthy of love and respect just the way you are, that your health, it doesn't doesn't mean anything about who you are as a person on on a moral level it's just not it's not important you know if i don't <laughs> if i don't walk around thinking that people with disabilities are you know inherently unworthy of love then why would i think that about fat people just because their body seems different it's a whole it's a whole big thing but i think 
you can be fat positive and still want to lose weight. You can go through all that and still decide, I just can't do this anymore. I just can't do this anymore. And you might not be able to do it for any number of reasons. You know, maybe the world is cruel. Maybe you don't feel confident dating and, and you feel like losing weight's going to help you. Maybe you genuinely do have some health problems and losing weight might help. Or maybe you have some pain and getting skinnier or getting more fit might help. I mean, no judgments. It's it's totally up to you. It's totally up to you. But what I want to make sure is that you're not walking around like plum. Not thinking that just because you have these negative experiences and that being fat is hard, that being fat is instantly wrong or that no one should do it. No one should put themselves through this, you know, and the best way to change this is by losing weight instead of changing the culture that we live in. I firmly believe that changing the culture we live in is going to do a lot more for me than losing weight or weight loss surgery ever, ever, ever would. Ever. But I'm a realist and I know that I'm one person. <laughs> I mean, I'm the size of two people, but I'm only one person. And <laughs> a little self-deprecating humor. It's fine. Uh, I know that the chances that I'm going to wake up tomorrow and that it's okay, according to the rest of the world, for me to be fat and that I'm beautiful just the way I am and whatever. I know I'm not going to wake up tomorrow and all that's going to be perfect. I'm pretty sure I'm not going to wake up in 10 years and that it's going to be okay to be fat out in the world. I don't know that. Which is why I haven't decided if I want to lose weight or not. I don't think I do. I don't really think I want to change my body just so that people are nicer to me. That seems so extreme. But as someone who's been fat my whole life, the feelings that I feel and the fat phobia that I experience is extreme. It has built up. And it has caused me to lose friends, to end relationships, it, lots of lots of trust issues. I thought I had issues with food and that I ate terribly, but I just, I absolutely don't. Like other people who've started to see how I live and eat, they're like, how does anyone think do you have any sort of nutritional deficiencies? Like, I like healthy food and it's I also like big greasy pizzas and stuff like that but I don't I don't subsist entirely off of grease-based foods you know I'm not I'm not fitting that stereotype of a fat person that people think and even if I did it wouldn't be okay to treat me that way but I know it just doesn't matter what I do I'm sorry <laughs> It just doesn't matter what I do. <laughs> it doesn't matter how many times I tell my caseworker that I'm not physically disabled and that I can walk more than three blocks. It doesn't matter if I actually do it right in front of her. She'll still think that. And I, I can't change. <laughs> I can't change the thought patterns of adults. They're going to say and think and do and believe whatever it is they want. And there's nothing that I can do to change other people. That sucks. And that's... It's honestly scary. The thought of living with fat phobia for the rest of my life is sometimes the weight of that 
feels exactly the way I felt when I thought that I was going to live with EDS for my whole life. And if you don't know what vascular Ehlers-Danlos syndrome is, and you don't know how scary it is, just look it up on Wikipedia, man. It's awful. So next time you, as a fat positive or body positive person, feel that anger or betrayal towards someone who wants to lose weight, or if one of your fat positive icons like Roxanne Gay decides that she doesn't want to be as fat as she is anymore. Don't take it personally and don't think they're taking the easy way out and don't think it's because that they don't still believe that you and every other fat person is worth fighting for. Because they do. But it's hard to fight. (laughs) It's really hard to fight. And it's not fair to expect every single fat person to be a martyr for the cause. That's just not right. And I know that that doesn't happen all the time. I know that there are fat positive and body positive icons and people everywhere that aren't going to judge you for what you do for your body. And I I really hope you find some of them. (laughs) I really hope you find some. And I really hope that you are one as well I'm working on being one I still feel that little bit of judgment or annoyance or pain when a fellow fat person tells me that the risks of weight loss surgery which are varied and many and extreme are they totally outweigh the risks of having to live with fat phobia for the rest of their lives it's like a disease it, it eats away at you so I still feel that that pain, but I, I also really understand wanting to give up. <laughs> I don't think it's giving up. I think it's just change, but I, I understand getting it. And personally, on a very, very personal level, I would so much rather have my fat friend come to me and tell me, I can't take this anymore. I can't live like this. I can't live this life. I've decided to lose weight or get weight loss surgery. I would so much rather have that person say that to me than I can't do this anymore. I can't live with this fat phobia. I can't live in this body. I don't want to live anymore. Which is common. (laughs) I thought it myself and I've said it out loud. And it's awful. It's so sad. We shouldn't. We shouldn't do that to ourselves. (laughs) And no one else should do it to us either. So So if you are a thin person who maybe has never understood fat phobia or its effects on other people, I hope you have a better understanding of how painful it can be. Fat phobia is worse to deal with than anything that could come out of my, what people consider excess weight. You know, it's the emotional toll that that takes on me, that that abuse takes on me is so much worse than any physical problem that might arise from my weight every time. So being helpful is helpful and being mean is not helpful. Very simple. Um, And yes, you can be body positive or fat positive and you can still think that your life would be improved if you were no longer 
fat or as fat. I think it's totally possible. So (laughs) this was a very emotional episode. Thank you so much uh, for tuning in. If you have anything that you want to add, please feel free to send me something on Facebook or on Twitter. Please feel free to reach out. Um, If you hate all of the things that I said, please feel free to keep that to yourself. I'm going to be putting all of the sources that I used for research for this episode uh, in the show notes so that you guys can really do some research for yourself. It's really important to form your own opinions about your body and your health. It's really important to ask questions of your doctor, to advocate for yourself with your doctor, to say, no, I don't want to lose weight. No, I don't want to step on the scale. (laughs) Would you be recommending weight loss to someone who was thin to fix this problem? All of that shit's okay. And it's okay to get mad when some guy's like, no, sorry, I don't date fat chicks. It's okay to get mad and to tell him he's an asshole. (laughs) Because he is. All of that is, is, it's all just okay. It's okay to be fat. And it's also okay to be sad. And it's okay to be sad in part due to being fat. So do your own research or reach out to the fat people in your life. If you are looking for fat resources, I get a lot of really great fat positive content from Twitter. Uh, A few of my favorite Twitter accounts are okay to be fat. (laughs) Go figure. Okay to be fat. Uh, Your fat friend. And also Kiva Bay. His Twitter name is Kiva Bay. Kiva Bay actually posts uh, fat studies, fat studies articles and groups and quotes from books. And he studies, you know, popular media and he confronts a lot of social issues. It's really, really, really informative. And he is really just one of the best sources of information about living with fat phobia or fat phobia's effect on people. He's one of the best sources of information out there. And I've been following him for a few years now and just endlessly helpful, so relatable. And I find a lot of people through his his threads and things like that, that really understand everything that I'm going through. I find people who have lost weight and people who are never going to lose weight. I find people who are thin and people who are fat. It's just, it's really, really great information. I also really loved Constant Craving by Dorian Virtue. Everything in it wasn't absolutely fantastic, amazing, or super fat positive. Some of the language is kind of icky. But in general, I found it really, really interesting how much food and our weight is tied to our moods and our mental health and stuff like that. And this book is a really, it's really big on that. It's really about that. Um, so if you're interested in that topic, this was a really interesting book. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you want to support me or the show, you can head to my website, fatfeministwitch.com and click on the little link that says buy me a coffee. You can also find my Patreon page at patreon.com slash thefatfeministwitch and you can join the private monthly group, The Witch and Bitch. For 10 bucks a month, you get to join the private Facebook group. You get uh, detailed show notes for every single episode. So this is something new I've started doing. You'll get detailed show notes with links and pictures and all of that stuff. That's something that I'm doing for the group. You also get, you know, we have private video meetups and we have really cool topics every month and we talk about tarot or magic, we do spells, we talk about the full moon, we celebrate the Sabbaths, all of that stuff. So 
all of the money that I get from both those sources, both the Buy Me a Coffee or the Patreon, go towards the Fat Feminist Witch project, this whole project that I'm doing. It goes towards everything. It pays for my hosting and my equipment and my books and just everything. So if you like the show and you want to support me, I would greatly appreciate that. And if you don't have money or don't want to give it to me, that's okay too. Like and share, you know, tell your friends about the show and uh, like me on Facebook, follow me on Twitter, find me on Instagram. I love it. I love interacting with you guys. So I hope you, I hope you all have a really wonderful rest of your week. Uh, tomorrow is the summer solstice, the first day of summer. Yay! So a happy summer solstice or litha to anyone who celebrates the pagan holidays. I hope it's a really beautiful sunny day. I'm very excited about it. Thank you all for tuning in and I hope you all have a wonderful week and a wonderful summer solstice and I will be back very shortly with some magical and metaphysical tips if you are currently on a better health or even a weight loss journey or if you're looking for spiritual ways to help deal with some of the the vitriol and abuse associated with fat phobia. Okay. I think, I think I'm finally done. I think that's everything. So find me at fatfeministwitch.com or on Facebook or any other social media. Have a wonderful evening and a wonderful summer solstice. Goodbye, everybody.